Welcome to episode 437 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Sometimes it throws me off when you ask me how I'm doing, to be honest. <laughs> you say, how you doing? And I, I want to be like, good. And how are you doing, right? Like, I want to reciprocate, but I also like, want to just like start uh-huh, the show. Uh-huh. I ask you every single episode, Brian. I know, and every time it throws me off <laughs> because I, I like want to be polite, you know? Do you want to start over? <laughs> yeah, sure. Welcome to episode 437 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, what's on the agenda for today? Packed agenda. We're talking about design critique. We're introducing a new section to the show. And uh, in the sidebar, we're going to be talking about Figma's UI updates. I don't know if anyone else noticed a couple little changes sneaking into the latest Figma update. We're going to talk all about it in the sidebar. So Marshall, shall we dig in? We shall. Marshall. (laughs) All right. This week, we are supported by Zeppelin. Zeppelin shipped a new feature in January called Flows. They are a fast and effortless way to create and outline user flows and journeys. Designers can use Flows to connect screens in seconds and map complete user journeys, showing not just the happy path, but all possible paths and behaviors. Flows is awesome. We're going to have a link to a YouTube video with a demo in the show notes, or you can head to zeppelin.io slash features slash flows. Link in the show notes. Thank you, Zeppelin. Thanks, Zeppelin. Also, huge shout out to our new Very Important Pixels hey. who joined the fam this week. Welcome. Welcome in. Welcome in. Who we got? Shout out to Tolu Alder, Daniel Grongard, Ryan Stone, Dorian Gray, Rishi Modi, Laura Schweiger, Dennis Harris, and Nick Myers. What a crew. Hold on a second. Welcome Dorian in. Gray. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Is that the name of the 50? The picture of Dorian Gray? But spelled different. Uh, which is the British uh, spelling of gray? E-Y. Yeah, E-Y is the British one. I always found that to be aesthetically more pleasing. So when I spell gray, I do it E-Y, even though A-Y is the, the American Interesting. spelling. Yeah. Well, we have Dorian British spelling gray. It is. I, I think it's Whatever. a literary reference. Anyways, welcome, everybody. Welcome to the fam. <laughs> welcome, welcome. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that every week, listeners like you and like the folks we just read out loud, they join us at Patreon for bonus episodes. We call that bonus episode the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. And it costs just a buck a month. Just a buck a month? Just a dollar a month. And you get double apps every week. In this week's sidebar, we're talking about Figma's UI updates. But when you join us on Patreon, you'll also get access to our entire backlog of sidebars, as well as double apps every week going forward. Moving forward. So whether this is your first episode or your 437th episode, Consider supporting us and get access to that extra content at patreon.com slash design details. It's just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. All right, Marshall, new section of the podcast. Yeah. We'll come up with a, a name for it, but maybe tentatively, we're going to call this the job board. Job board, job board. <laughs> the job board, job board. I don't know that we need an echo for this one. <laughs> Everything needs an echo. <laughs> we can just echo the whole episode. Uh-huh. We can just echo every sentence the other person says. Says, says. So, Here's the deal, everyone. There are so many dope companies hiring designers right now. Everybody is desperate for designers. And I feel like designers, unless you're really paying attention, aren't aware of a lot of the opportunities out in the market right now. 
And over the last year, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me talk about this. I've been talking to a lot of startups and just a lot of companies and just trying to understand what's going on as they're hiring their first designers or building an early design team. And there is just a disconnect. Like designers just don't know about awesome roles and these companies don't have a great way to get in touch with designers. I'm like, you know what? We have a podcast where a lot of designers check in every week to hear us talk about design. And uh, maybe we can make some matches here. So we're spinning up a job board where companies will be able to advertise open design roles that they're hiring for. And we're going to shout out some of those roles here on the podcast. So just so you know, going forward, you can always check out designdetails.fm slash jobs, where we're going to keep this list up to date. We're going to be reaching out to startups and awesome companies hiring for great roles. So that's designdetails.fm slash jobs. Just keep checking out for it, uh, or we will be tweeting as new roles come out. And then, of course, call them out here on the podcast. Okay, so first up this week is Vigaro. Vigaro is hiring designers to build the booking payments and marketing solutions for growing businesses in the beauty, wellness, and fitness industries all around the world. If you want to have an immediate, direct, and high impact through design, you can learn more about Vigaro at designdetails.fm slash Vigaro. That's V-A-G-A-R-O. Up next, Universe is looking to hire a mid-level or higher product designer for remote work anywhere in the U.S., Universe opens up the possibilities of the internet, allowing anyone on earth to build a custom website or online store in seconds without code, all from a phone. They're looking for a product designer who is obsessed with the delightful possibilities of software and sees UI design as an artistic medium, not just a method of product solving. Join a new kind of design studio and shape a product that represents a radically better internet. And we also have Dynaboard, who is looking for a mid-level and above product designer for remote work in the U.S., Dynaboard is the fastest way for developer teams to go zero to one on new web apps such as dashboards, admin panels, and approval flows. It combines multiple aspects of design and development tools into a single collaborative experience. They're looking for their first product designer to join their high-velocity early team to own the process of creating a new category of creative tool. And finally, Glow. Glow is hiring for junior roles and above remote anywhere in the world. Glow is building the most elegant, powerful, and reliable crypto wallet, starting with Solana. To do this, they need great designs, ones that are simple, familiar, and smart. And their small team is growing, and you'll work closely with the team to craft new user experience patterns for interacting with crypto that will become the new normal for millions of people in the future. All righty. So good, good start to the job board, Marshall. Yeah. We've got building for beauty, wellness, and fitness industries. Mm -hmm. We have Universe helping you make websites on your phone, Dynaboard, zero to one on new web apps, mm -hmm. and Glow, a new crypto wallet. Good mix of stuff. Nice variety. All right, everyone. So we have links to all of those in the show notes if you want to get into the specific nitty-gritty details or just go to designdetails.fm slash jobs. And what you can do is you can even subscribe. There's a little be a subscribe button on the right side of the page. I think you just put in your email you can also get emailed whenever we add a new job to the board directly. Whether that's too much, it's up to you. If you're on the hunt for a new role, you might want to click that subscribe button. Otherwise, just designdetails.fm slash jobs. And thank you, Universe, Dynaboard, Glow, and Vigaro for uh, kicking us off strong here. Yeah, thank you. Cool new segment, Brian. All right, what do we got for the main topic? So we have a listener question from Ryan Stone on GitHub. Ryan opened their first ever issue on github a hey, hey. welcome to github ryan ryan says evolving design crits as your team grows hey friends 
My UX team has grown immensely in the past year to 30 plus members. We have weekly one hour design crits where anyone can share work and receive feedback. This has been helpful in leveling up presentation and feedback, giving skills, as well as unblocking team members and maintaining alignment. This has become challenging at scale though. Any tips to make crits more useful for larger teams or are we destined to break apart? (sighs) Brutal. When you first brought up this question, I was excited because I was like, well, I I mean, I think you're destined to break apart, but maybe Brian has some solution to keep you from breaking apart. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Was I correct? I mean, practically speaking, I think you're destined to break apart. Even I'm actually really amazed that you've still got a weekly one hour design crit with 30 people. Yeah, that's incredible. Like, how is that possible? It's a crowded You're either room. a crowded Zoom call, yeah. a lot of uh, faces on that grid. Yeah, I mean, I just think crit is really hard to do with that many people. I can only imagine that weekly you're getting two to three people sharing something or soliciting feedback. And then when you're trying to get feedback from a room full of 30, I imagine it's maybe hard even for like people to know who should give feedback first or like what if a lot of people have some, what if nobody has some, like do people have enough context? I don't know. I, I've i just been there. So like I know how hard this is. This isn't anything about your team. Ryan, uh, Ryan works at Shopify, so obviously knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just a lot of people in the room. So I just feel like it's going to break apart. Like it'll need to be subgroups of people who are a little bit more closely aligned to each other on the day-to-day projects they're working on but 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 that said i still think there are probably things that you could do to at least make it a little less painful if you do end up needing to break this band apart Mm -hmm. things you can do to at least keep other people in the loop or you know continue to provide visibility to other designers on the team even if they aren't able to join every critique or see everybody's you know, sort of feedback process. Well, um, maybe before we get into solutions for broken apart crits, uh, I would say that one thing that I've seen be really helpful, especially in remote design reviews, is if your video call app has the ability for individuals to raise their hands, especially if it keeps the order in which they raise their hands, especially if there is some sort of uh, non-voice or even non-chat way to to interact on screen, so like emotes or whatever, but like the ability to interact without having your microphone unmuted um, mm-hmm. and raise your hand and make sure that you get called on in order and nobody gets forgotten about. Both of those things have been super useful for larger meetings where you could get lost in the shuffle otherwise. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I also got to imagine that there's a lot you could probably do front-loading an agenda, like preparing ahead of time who's going to present, gathering links and screenshots for people who maybe to do some pre-reading. Mm-hmm. It's probably a lot you could do here to save time so that when you get in, people don't have to spend five minutes setting up context, you know, because five times 30 people is a lot of minutes being wasted when maybe someone could have just read a GitHub issue ahead of time. I, I guess I got to maybe caveat here and just say, like, I think we'll probably weave in and out of giving maybe specific advice to Ryan's question and then just more general advice to like, oh, these are also things that we found helpful in our experience, like working at different companies that, I don't know, maybe Ryan is already doing or Shopify is already doing. Oh, yeah. General so, guidance. Yeah. It's a mishmash. <laughs> general guidance. Don't, don't, yeah, we're not, I don't, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want this to feel like we're nitpicking. <laughs> we're lecturing somebody who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> lecturing, <Yeah. laughs> lecturing a stranger. Sorry. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so here's a question for you, Marshall. Do you think, okay, you have an org of 30 people and you have a one-hour crit every week. There's just no way everybody's going to share, right? Like maybe you get through three or four people a week. That gives people a lot of cover to not share work at this crit. So do you think people should be forced to share work in a forum like this? Like if you had 30 people, would you enable a rotation where people are forced to go, even if it just means, you know, you're on deck next week? Yeah, I mean, based on personal experience, based on how I am, I think if a group is large enough, you'll have people like me who would rather just kind of work quietly and not show something until it's done rather than kind of be on the hook to show regular updates and and progress. Um, I think that would work well as a forcing function to make sure that the people who would probably share too often aren't hogging the stage and the people who would hide in the shadows aren't being too quiet, you know? Yeah, that's interesting, though. I wonder, there's probably some ways to figure out if people are being quiet because they know what they need to do versus people who are being quiet, but they're also blocked and they're maybe nervous to admit that or feel like there's this pressure for them to figure it out before they go to crit. And being able to distinguish between that would probably be useful. I don't know that it's always a seniority thing, but I've, I guess I've been on both sides of that equation where sometimes I'm just so hungry and desperate for feedback that yeah i would hog up an entire one hour crit every week mm-hmm. and then there are certain projects where it's like actually i probably just need a month to get in and grind on this because i kind of know what i'm doing it's just gonna take some time or or you know like solicit feedback individually from a, a handful of people outside of the context of some big meeting i i liked that ryan called out this process has been helpful in leveling up the team's presentation and feedback giving skills because i'm imagining you know you have 30 people a couple people are really eager to to share their work in front of 30 people, I would hope that you've pretty much dialed in the process of setting context and clarifying what type of feedback you're looking for. And if you haven't, like this is a great forum to learn and get better at that. And I feel like more people should be forced to go through that, especially earlier on. It's like you should be forced to get really, really good at giving context, even on a largely scoped project Mm -hmm. in a minute. Like, what's the elevator pitch of the work you're about to share? Uh-huh. And then being incredibly clear about what kind of feedback you're looking for. And then there's almost like a third level, which sometimes you want a manager to sort of moderate a conversation. But I found that like more senior designers are pretty good at self-moderating, which is when someone starts to give them feedback that they aren't looking for, they're comfortable interrupting and sort of getting the conversation back on track. You know, some they're like, I'm looking for feedback on flows and someone will say, but have you considered this button? They'll say, thanks for bringing that up. We should talk offline. But right uh-huh. now I'm specifically asking for feedback about flows. Do you have feedback for me about flows? Whatever it might be, you know? But people people can get good at that and it just takes some some loops. Uh-huh. So anyways, I guess I'll say all of that to say maybe maybe the one hour crit with 30 people is a good forcing function to get people to be really concise and really hone in their pitch. Yeah, I'm curious how that one hour is divided, right? Is that two half-hour slots, three 20-minute slots, four 15-minute slots? If I had to guess, I'd bet it'd be like four 15 or three 20, mm-hmm. where people have five minutes to establish context, walk through designs, and then it opens up to the floor for, for conversation. Yeah, we tend to do 20s, which I think 15 is a little bit fast, tight. man. Yeah, 15 yeah. I think is too tight, unless it's a small thing, but... There's always the joke of like, this should be a fast one. 
And then that's the death nail. You know, we're going to be talking about that thing for 25 minutes, eaten into the yeah. next slot. Well, that's another thing too about having a moderator here. Mm-hmm. I, I had a really good experience with this at Facebook where a manager would usually be in these larger crits and they would moderate. They would actually check time and they would call out like two minute mornings and all right, that's it. Even if a conversation's still going, we'll either say afterwards or we'll, we'll set up a follow-up meeting. But we got to get on because yeah. the next person's going to share it. Like captured in the notes. that discipline. Move on. Yeah, yeah. captured in the notes, exactly. Even a note taker, right? Like who is in this crit taking notes, especially for the person doing the presenting? Mm-hmm. Hopefully there's always someone in charge of this. And I assume, you know, if you have 30 people, someone has probably been doing this. But if you're presenting work, you want somebody be, to be taking notes on your behalf right. because you're going to be engaged in conversation. So it's always worth making sure ahead of time, like either there's a person whose job that is, maybe like a design opsy kind of person, or the person asking for feedback should be very explicit and say, before I begin, like I need someone, could someone take notes as I get feedback, make sure that you have a name and, and someone doing that. Yeah. That way you can focus totally on the conversation and you're not like trying to collate data points and action items in the back of your head as you're talking to multiple people. Or... Or you can use, uh, what is it, um, around or like all these new video apps that like transcribe your calls for you, right? I guess this is, this is a problem that technology can solve anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Marshall, I think you and I both kind of agreed. It seems like beyond 30, this thing's probably going to get broken up at some point. Mm-hmm. Ryan, if you figure out how to not break it up, let us know. But assuming it gets broken up, what are some things you can do to make this a little less painful, assuming it does break up? Well, I've been talking to a lot of companies about this recently, just this concept of like sharing work in progress on a large team, having visibility into work on a large team. And through these conversations, I've learned a lot about what some different teams are doing. So uh, uh, here's a smorgasbord of ideas that you could consider implementing. I think they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, so you know, pick the least bad option. The first would be some teams will create like an email newsletter for their company or just their design org. And the way that I've seen that work is people will have like a design manager or even a design ops person literally just go around and ask for people's work. Uh, You know, are you looking for feedback on this? And they'll sort of collect all of that data into some sort of email. That email gets sent to the group. And then ideally it will have links to engage, like link to a Figma file or link to a GitHub issue or link to a, a Slack thread so that people can sort of follow through and go down that rabbit hole. Uh, the second thing that I've heard of other people doing is they will break apart these crits into multiple crits or sometimes it'll be like a more formal design review. But what they ask is that after every single one, one person writes a summary from that meeting and shares that summary back to the central design group so that even though you're not a part of every crit or a part of every design review, you can still see the bullet point action items coming from everybody else's. I think it's also a good way to get like start to sort of align expectations about what kind of feedback you'll get in a design review. You know, maybe you can start to predict, oh, oh, interesting. Like, you know, the management team or LT seems to be honing in on these kind of ideas. I want to make sure I have that buttoned up before my next review. So just having that visibility into the summaries of other people's crits or reviews, I think can be useful. And I guess that could be also emails or just Slack messages or something. A third thing that I've heard companies do, which is less about critique and feedback and more just about visibility and helping people go down the rabbit hole if they so choose, is they will create a blank Google slide template where every designer has a slide And maybe once every two weeks or once a month, 
designers will go in and fill out their slide with a couple screenshots, a couple notes about what they're working on, and then links to resources. You can get a Figma file, GitHub issue, or whatever it is. And then that can get shared or even presented in like a monthly call. And that still gives visibility with opportunity for for people to follow up with feedback if needed. Uh, Other things I've seen people do, uh, they will just split apart meetings like this into multiple Slack channels and just make it all asynchronous. Mm-hmm. That way, people can still lurk in the Slack channels where they are interested, but then they can ignore maybe projects that are super irrelevant to their day-to-day. But one thing that we've done at GitHub that I think has been pretty effective, and I'm sure other places do this as well, is you can just have standing optional invitations to all of these sort of sub-critiques. Uh, so for example, at GitHub, I will just go and ask a couple of managers, hey, can I have a standing optional invitation to your critique? <laughs> mm-hmm. And they will always say yes, because like there's basically no reason someone would ever say no. And uh, you know, then that shows up on my calendar. And some days I can be like, you know what? I actually want to go see what that team's working on. I can check their agenda. Exactly. And, okay, that sounds great. Let me go lurk and say hi. And I don't know that everybody does that, but I think the people who do have found a lot of value even in just having some exposure to like, oh, this is happening now. This is on a calendar. I know who's in that meeting and what they might be talking about. Yeah, it's hugely useful for bigger picture, just seeing everything that's happening, especially if there's a bunch of different projects happening and you are focused on your one thing, getting that picture of the forest instead of just your particular tree can be really useful for understanding the direction of the company and how your work fits in with what everybody else is doing. A hundred percent, Yeah. So again, I I think that to your point, it's how do you trade off needing to be in a room together for a design critique or design review while also maintaining visibility into the bigger picture? And that visibility part feels like the unsolved problem to me because a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, my Figma files are here or our team's Figma files are here and it requires people to go expend time and energy and effort drilling through Figma files, trying to figure out what's new. And even if you get into the phase where you're leaving comments on a Figma file, those comments are ephemeral. So any action items or conversations that happen there will get resolved and essentially disappear. Like, yeah, technically you can pull them up in the conversation history, but that's so hard to get to in Figma. So it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. And so then you are losing this paper trail of decision-making and design critique that's happening in a Figma file. So... I'm still, yeah, I'm a big fan. Pull that out into at least something, some sort of artifact that other people on the team can browse on their own time. Ideally pushed to them at a regular schedule, even if it is just an email digest or a Slack broadcast every Friday or something about like, here's what the team's working on. So those aren't exactly critique specific, but more like how do you deal with visibility after you've been forced to break up? Uh these big crit meetings that you could have as a small team, which I imagine are are so fun, you know? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. I hope this was helpful a little bit, Ryan. I don't know. Maybe this was just grim. Like, it seems like your meeting is going to get broken mm-hmm. up. If you figure out how to keep it going with more than 30 people and actually have a productive crit where people feel like they have the opportunity to share and get useful feedback in return, please let me know. Come teach me. Yeah. We are open to feedback. All right, cool. Well, if anyone else has ideas or if this sparked any insights, be sure to tweet at us. Otherwise, Marshall, cool things. Cool things, Brian. Shall I go first? 
Marshall. Marshall. All right. So my cool thing this week is an update on a previous cool thing and actually a previous sponsor of the show, Brian. It is Play, the app Play, createwithplay.com. They make an iOS native prototyper that is unlike any other app out there, and they just brought it to iPad, which, you know, the iPhone version of this thing is great. You're designing iPhone screens on an iPhone, but inherently there's a lot of crowding that happens, a lot of stuff got to be on screen at a time, and they've handled it very elegantly with gestures and panels coming up and going and using the axes of the screen intelligently. But when you have an iPad, you have a bunch more room, Brian. So it allows for all those things you might have to pivot back and forth between to just be visible all the time. They've been really smart about where things go and the modality of different states. I mean, it's a very complex app because you can basically build a native iOS prototype on it that works and feels like a native app. So I'm loving it. I've been I've been playing around with it a lot. It's so much more easy to get into on the larger screen. I've found mm, than on the, mm-hmm. on the phone. Like you, you can just more pixels, better. <laughs> more, yeah. Like that's the thing. The phone app was so creative in how they worked around the constraint of the small screen. But it's like, hang on, we also have this other device where maybe we don't <laughs> have that constraint. Mm-hmm. So I their their progression has been really interesting, right? Like they went phone to Mac to iPad. Or to web to iPad to web and but the web and the nice thing about the web is you know you can't do everything that you could do on the prototype thing. It's just right, about right, managing right. your design system. But it's right. kind of nice because you can like copy and paste in hexes and reorder stuff and type the names out. Like it's a lot more of like the tedious work that you don't necessarily want to do on a touch device. Anyways, I cool. I, th- I think it's a really great product. I've been uh, really enjoying playing around with it especially the complicated gestures you can achieve there. They have native buttons and all sorts of stuff. Now, check it out. It's on the App Store now. You don't, it's not even beta anymore. You can just get it. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. get it. Link in the show notes. Cool. All right. Cool thing, Marshall. Uh, my cool thing this week is a movie that came out in 2021. I thought it was more recent than that, but I apparently am just not paying attention. Hmm. And it is Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro's latest screenplay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what is it about? Here's the IMDb summary or one sentence pitch. A grifter. Actually, do you want this? Do you, do you consider this a spoiler? Um, I can take my headphones off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, listeners, if you don't want to know anything about what this movie is, take your headphones off now and come back in like 10 seconds. Here we go. A grifter working his way up from low-ranking carnival worker to lauded psychic medium matches wits with a psychiatrist bent on exposing him. All right, now I have to wait for Marshall to come back. La, 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 la. Okay, I'm back. But Marshall, here's the problem. You have to edit the podcast. I know, I know. I realized <laughs> after the fact, like, this is doing me no good. Um, here's what I'll say. I thought it was good. I, I don't know. I uh, I thought about it the next day. And that's, again, my there kind of go. barometer for things. Like, was I still thinking about the next day? Mm-hmm. And part of it was I was just thinking about Bradley Cooper. My goodness, that boy can act Marshall. <laughs> He's yeah. a good actor, that one. Uh huh. And also, I feel like he's one of those people who, how old is he? He's just getting older, but looking younger. Yeah, he's a Paul Rudd kind of a situation. Yeah. He was born in 75. How old does that make him? So he's 47. He doesn't look 47, Marshall. This guy's just got the yeah. genetics of. He's got good genes. Great, yeah. great genes. Anyways, getting a little bit off topic, but cool thing, Brian. Nightmare Alley. All right. Well, this has been episode 437 of the show. 
We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, as always, at designdetailsfm. If you're looking for a job, head to designdetails.fm slash jobs and uh, get connected with some cool companies hiring for great roles. If you want to catch more design details right now, we're also heading over to the sidebar. Today we're talking about Figma's UI updates. If you want to hear this week's bonus episode as well as our backlog of bonus episodes and bonus episodes going forward, that all happens at patreon.com slash design details for just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. And also, not right now. It'll be tomorrow. But yeah. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Sidebar Sidebar comes out a day later. All righty. Well, that's it. We'll catch you next week. Bye. What's your, uh, give me a number out of 10. I gave it an eight. And I think that's my difference between a seven and an eight is a seven is I enjoyed it, but I didn't think about it again. An eight is I enjoyed it and I thought about it again. Mm -hmm. And then a nine, I don't even know what a nine is. Maybe I only have a couple of nines. A nine is like, I've watched it 50 times. So I guess maybe my rating skews more towards like rewatchability, which I suppose other people would have a much different metric for rating movies, right? Like, if you're a film nerd, you probably rate it on like the craftsmanship. I don't sure. think I'm quite like that. Yeah, yeah. I, Ten means I could watch this a million times and never get sick of it. Yeah. Eight is I, you know, I thought about it again the next day. I think six is I thought about it again the next day, but negatively, right? <laughs>